Welcome back in listeners to another wonderful episode of Whisper in the Wings. We have a very, very fun show to bring to you today. Joining us today, we have the creator of Beethoven Live in Concert, Chad Jacob. And Beethoven Live in Concert is playing May 15th at Green Room 42. And you can get your tickets and more information by visiting thegreenroom42.com. But in the meantime, we're going to be discussing this very fun, very unique and new show, Beethoven Live in Concert, with our guests. So welcome, welcome, Chad Jacob, to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Andrew. Thank you for having me. We're excited to be here. I'm very excited to have you. This show, you reached out to me about this show, and as we were talking before, I mean, this isn't the first time I've heard about a classical music meets modern music kind of take of a show and so i was a little like um okay but then i started doing like a deep dive into your show and i was like oh okay you know it (laughs) it sounds so it sounds really really cool so now that i've laid out a really vague explanation of your show why don't you give our listeners a more detailed explanation and tell them a bit about it Sure. So Beethoven Live in Concert is kind of a rock musical that takes Beethoven's story, his his kind of epic life, and it transforms it into a world where he essentially was the world's first rock star. And the idea is that, you know, with the world of classical music today, we tend to as you mentioned, we tend to think of it all as kind of a big clump, right, of like Mozart and Handel and Bach and Haydn and all these people way back when, and today we have popular music. The reality is that Beethoven kind of showed up in this in this status quo classical music world and totally ignored every single rule set by all of these people on how music should be, created his own path, and revolutionized how music was forever. And he didn't just revolutionize it in terms of the sound, right? It's not just like, oh, Beethoven sounds different. He also was an incredibly controversial person at his time. He was a, a political revolutionary. It was it was unheard of at that time for politics to be involved in, in music in any way. But he was sort of injecting this anti-aristocracy, anti-power message in his music. He had all of these dramatic love affairs. He had He struggled with a lot of family issues and mental health. A lot of the things that you see today in sort of the world of contemporary music, you know, the drama of it all, the the fame of it all. And Beethoven, as opposed to all these people, was the first person to be kind of a legend in his own name. You know, he was the first person to, you would see his name on a piece of sheet music and he would say, oh, that's Beethoven, I gotta buy this, you know? So that's the idea is it's sort of showing Beethoven's life using a blend of rock music, his actual music set to rock and kind of contemporary musical theater. Oh, that's so cool. So how did you come up with the idea of the show? Yeah, so I mean, I always grew up when I was younger with classical music and rock. I've been playing piano since I was basically a baby. And, you know, for me, piano was always Mozart and Beethoven and, and all that stuff. And simultaneous to that, I grew up on you know, the music videos that my dad showed me, which was Phil Collins, Michael Jackson, Queen, you know, Pink Floyd. And that was my world. And so I would I would do my piano lesson and then I would go and I would like dance to, you know, Thriller or something. And I was obsessed with those music videos. And to me, growing up, those 
styles were never that different for me. You know, I always kind of saw them as almost two languages that were that were speaking to the same feeling, classical music and rock. And so a couple years ago, this is 2017, 2018, I was interested in writing a musical and then randomly I was like I should write about classical music and I was gonna have I was gonna make up a story I was gonna just invent like a whole there's a guy and he's writing an opera and whatever and I was gonna have Beethoven like pop in for a second in like act two and be like here I am and then leave and then I was like well wait a minute let me like let me look into this these these characters a little bit and and I thought about Beethoven and and you know we know certain things about his life you know we know oh oh to joy and he was going deaf and you know the, the kind of signature two or three things about beethoven but when i read into his life it was so much deeper than that and i was so taken by not just how powerful his story was but also how modern it was you know like i was shocked by how much i connected with and also how much rang true to today's time in several ways but also in the sense of like Oh my God, I feel like anybody, like you don't need to be a classical music like nerd to read into this and be like, wow, this is like such an interesting story beyond the the technical musical theater, theory elements of it. And so I did a bunch of research and, and I just started writing the show as, as kind of this idea that I'm not telling what Beethoven's story was. I'm telling how Beethoven felt at the time, right? So Beethoven to us now, because he's so standard of a sound, we listen and it feels like the status quo of music. But at the time, Beethoven's music sounded so new and it sounded so epic and so loud that the dynamics were brand new and there was so much innovation in his music. And so the way I'm doing that with this show is, while all of the other characters' music in this show is either contemporary musical theater or you hear it in sort of this late 60s style like pre-prog rock of like the world of the Beatles and Van Morrison and these kinds of guys Beethoven comes on and the instrumentation and the vocals and all of that are 70s rock and you really get to hear and feel emotionally how Beethoven's music impacted the world as opposed to just saying it right because you can say oh yeah it was different this and that but once you hear it and once you really feel it that's the idea is I want people to go oh wow like he was like 10 miles ahead of everybody else. Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. Is this performance at the Green Room 42, is it the world debut of the show or has it been performed other places? Uh-huh, that's a great question. So it has been performed before. We did a, but it was all closed presentations. So I've been working on the show since December 2017, January 2018. So like five years now. And during the pandemic, there was a, we did a Zoom workshop of the show and it was just open for like the people involved. It wasn't open to people. Last May, we did a invited uh, sort of industry reading of the full show, which was long at the time. It's still long, <laughs> but it was very long last year. But this concert is the first time that it is open to the public and anybody can get a ticket and anybody can come. It's going to be a selection of about 10 songs from the show featuring kind of a range of the story to give people kind of a sneak preview of what the full show is going to be. So going along with that then, watching this show be developed, what has it been like? Oh, it's been shocking i mean it's it's so funny because in my mind the process 
I had imagined the process being a little bit more linear in terms of the progress, you know, like step one, the next month I'll be on step two, the next month I'll be on step three. But the first four and a half years of this, I, I started writing this when I was a freshman in college. So most of this, almost the entirety of the creation process, me alone reading or me alone in my dorm room writing and on my keyboard and like being really annoying to my friends and like asking for demos. But it was all just me kind of like putting this out there in the world or like keeping it to myself. So that was the first like four years. And then last May, we had that workshop and it was, you know, the first time really getting the whole thing on its feet, but it still felt contained, you know, it still felt like, okay, like this is still like my thing. And I'm, it was a lot of like close friends and family and a couple of industry people there. And then all of a sudden within the past, like three months, ever since we kind of set to this screen room show, it has been like, okay, we're casting the show. Like we have faces to these characters now. I have an arranger. So I'm hearing the rock music for the first time and I'm putting out the sheet music. So I'm deciding like finalizing all these transitions that I, you know, every time you get to that one line, you're like, Oh, I'll figure it out three years from now. And then it's like, actually I figured it out last Tuesday and it all happened so quickly, you know, where like two months ago, it, it felt like this entire world that I was so excited to share with people. And I still had time to kind of play around with it and like, make excuses for the parts that I was fixing. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, just kidding. Like there's a lot of people involved now. There's contracts, there's emails, there's a website and there's tickets being sold. And it's all happened so quickly. It's been like my nervous system is like. <laughs> it got real, real fast. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. What is the message or the thought you're hoping your audience will take away from the show? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things, and that's something that it took me a while to understand what the show really was about for me. You know, with a with a show with a large enough time frame like this, and also with a character that already exists and has plenty of media, you know, movies, books, etc., about this person, it took some time to find my personal route into this guy that everybody knows. And what I found is it's really a story of this human being who is faced with these impossible odds in in several ways and he he quite significantly learned very early on that he was going to lose something that he believed was his identity you know he was somebody who very much connected his value to being an artist and connecting his worth as a human being to what he can do and then all of a sudden he hears okay, actually, in a couple of years, I'm not going to be able to hear anything. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to write anymore. And to be able to kind of reconstruct your life after that and still have tenacity to go forward and the kind of self-determination and faith in yourself to create what you want to create because you believe it does good in the world. And he did do a lot of good in the world with his music and still does today. And to see what he overcame, you know, he had a very troubled life i know we all know about his hearing loss but he also came from an abusive home his father kind of saw how mozart's father you know kind of grabbed him when he was six and toured him around the world and made him famous and and beethoven's father kind of said okay let me do the same thing with my kid and so he would kind of push his kid to be the next mozart and and in doing so would would 
physically hurt him, would, you know, rip him out of bed at three in the morning to go play and smack him when he wasn't doing it right. And he had a very kind of violent upbringing. So it's, it's really painful to see him having gone through that, knowing what he does today. And it's kind of this question of like this, this, this human being who created the Ode to Joy, which we know as the most joyous, like humanity and the emblem of like brotherhood and humanity throughout like literally the entire world right like it's there when the wall fell it's there when like it's so it's so central to who we are as human beings and to know that that came from the heart of somebody who could not hear it and suffered from depression and had really horrific uh kind of relationships with his family members it makes you question that dichotomy a little bit and wonder like not only how was this possible, but also like, why was there this massive split between the good his music did and and his personal life, which is kind of the age old artistic question, but sort of seeing how the pain that he went through when he was younger, it's really clear, even just reading a brief synopsis of his life, it's really clear how all of the things that he went through when he was younger end up getting projected as all of this pain onto everybody around him when he's older you can see all the problems that manifest in his life later on come from not understanding or not having the tools to cope with what he went through when he was a kid wow my last question for this first part of the interview is who do you hope have access to the show everybody as i said the exciting thing about beethoven is how shockingly modern historians and i think there's a lot of people myself included who would look at this story and think okay like how relevant or necessary is telling a story about this particular person right now and i actually find that it's the most relevant story that i could possibly find at this time this is somebody who went through losing who he thought he was he lived in a society that did not grant him any power, that looked down on him because of his last name and who his family was. And that's something I think a lot of people can can connect to. And he's somebody who believed deeply in himself and the good he could do in the world and sort of fought to get that out there despite the kind of prejudices the world had set against him. And so I think it's it's not only accessible to a lot of people emotionally, but I think there's a great sort of Venn diagram of the people who will, there's kind of something for everyone in this show, which I think is really exciting. You know, if you're a classical music person, you're going to, you're going to love the references. If you are somebody who grew up in the seventies and eighties, the music follows that timeline. So a lot of the early Beethoven music at the beginning, when he's just starting out, sounds like very late sixties, early seventies, kind of prog rock world and then we get to act two and as he's kind of more established in his career a lot of his music is like 80s synth genesis you know that kind of world um and you see his evolution and he gets the the mullet and and it's very much like following that timeline and then you see his nephew who's kind of growing up in this world after the revolution of his parents and he's like well i don't really know what the purpose is of all of this i'm i'm just as angsty as them but there's nothing to fight anymore and so his music is 90s punk rock, right? He's he's in the world of like Radiohead, Pixies, you know, all that stuff where he's saying like, I'm just as rebellious as you guys, but there's no, there's no man at the top anymore. It's just like existentialism. So there's something for anybody that likes any of those genres. It's it's music history, it's music theory. It's also contemporary musical theater. And it's a it's a big show. I mean, I I I 
have from previous versions heard from people and i believe myself this feels like the mega musicals that we had in the 70s and 80s just in terms of the scale of it in terms of like the 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 vastness of the songs and sort of the score that um has a lot of motifs for each character that kind of jump in and out throughout each different song so it's kind of just i hope to bring back that kind of epicness for people that like the big big shows of like the set pieces and the sound and you go in and it's just like rock blaring that's kind of the excitement that i want to bring to it now in the second half let our listeners get to know you a little bit better and let's kick off with our regular question to kick things off with what composers playwrights or shows inspire you or do you love yeah i mean beethoven i suppose would be the first. <laughs> i mean i i of course i i have to put sondheim at the crux of whatever exists in my plane of how I interpret reality. I think his his music, but also his lyrics, I think speak to something that I have really had trouble finding anywhere else. You know, he is inspiring to me in that he's really, really incredible at kind of dissonant emotions or like opposite emotions, right? Well, you hear one of his songs and you're like, oh, wait a second, he's happy and sad at the same time, or like, he's mad, but he's right, or he's this, but he's that, and kind of holding those two truths at the same time. That's something that Sondheim does really well that that I also, with a character as, as kind of morally complicated as Beethoven, try to bring out. So I would say Sondheim, Sweeney Todd is my favorite musical of all time. It's It's got the epicness of something like phantom of the opera which is also one of my favorites but it also has a operatic score i mean phantom also has an operatic score but sweeney todd you look at how it's the same motifs throughout the score that he kind of just jumbles around and kind of brilliantly remixes it's also a story of this person who was obsessed with getting something that he thought would make his life better and then you know, without spoiling it, we see how that goes for him. And that's really similar to the story of Beethoven. It's something I'm interested in a lot of seeing these characters who want so badly and then finding where they're at once they get it, or maybe it's not what they thought it was. I also, I mean, I come from the world of film, so I'm I'm very much, I don't know how related this is to my process with this show, but I'm a big, you know, Kubrick, P.T. Anderson, Greta Gerwig, I'm trying to think about like musical movies. I mean, I have some hot takes about musical films, but I don't want to turn off 80% of your audience. So maybe I'll, <laughs> maybe I'll, maybe I'll save those for myself. And, and, you know, I think, I think, you know, what Lynn does in general with his melding of his own sort of cultural background and upbringing and his contemporary life with any story that he tells right it doesn't matter when or where it is but he kind of injects his own his own self into it and that's something that i really appreciate and that i i try to like 
I, I want my voice to come through no matter what the subject matter is. Yeah. I love that. Have you seen any great company you might be able to recommend to our listeners? Oh, yeah. I just saw Peter Pan Goes Wrong, and that was the most incredible experience, like, ever. I was blown away by, first of all, the sets. I mean, I won't say what the sets are, but, like, if you've seen Play That Goes Wrong at New World, this is, like, a whole different ball game. It's crazy. They like upped the whole. It's it's incredible. The cast is wonderful. It's just such a good time. I've never been in a theater. I never had an experience ever where the the laughter was sustained for that long. You know, yeah. like at intermission, I was like catching my breath and I was like, oh my god, like is everybody okay? It was amazing. And Sweeney Todd, I just saw it last month. And of course, everybody must witness that show and hear it. And probably two or three more times after that, if I'm able to get into it. What have I seen recently? I've re-seen a lot of things. I just caught Phantom for the last anniversary in January. Although good luck winning the lottery at this point, because I've been trying. What else? Oh, I saw Pictures from Home with Nathan Lane a couple days ago. And that was such a such a interesting like such a quaint perspective right because it was so it was so much more focused on the parents reaction to it's about this guy who's like an artist and he comes home to like take pictures of his parents and it it was so it took so much more into account of like the parents reaction to the kid doing this that i was like oh wow like interesting and and you know i come from a family that often I don't see our cultural values kind of reflected in what I see in media and it was still there were still so many moments like in that show where I felt like oh huh like my dad does this or like my mom totally acts like this and like to kind of validate my own experiences seeing how they all reacted to each other I was like okay like it's not like my family is this insane group of people that don't know how to be humans and everybody else is normal like we all have our 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 moments yes well what is your favorite part about working in the theater the sense of community I think theater was the first place for me where I felt like I was coming into a space that I could be a part of without having to try or get the right score or grade or like, you know, it was like you show up and it's like, you're in the ensemble. Great. You're on the stage. True. Great. You're doing makeup. Great. You're the director. Great. You're the lead. Great. Like we are all here to not just make something like, I mean, I love that we're, that we're making things and that's wonderful, but I think the relationships that you build with people and just the, the sense of like, it's just so awesome that it's like a street, you know, it's just so cool that like, there's just a physical location where there's just a bunch of things happening. And, and I have, you know, friends of mine spread out throughout various shows or on tour or on boats or whatever it is. And they always connect with each other in such interesting ways. I mean, I've, I've always been someone that likes to see patterns in things and finds connections between things that, maybe haven't been connected before in certain ways, as we've seen with Beethoven. 
but it's really cool like meeting somebody who I didn't think I knew and then I find out they knew like three other people from upstate theater who are also connected with this one person I did a show with like seven years ago and blah 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 and it's just really really exciting to feel that community and that support and and you know like places like this where you can just go and chat about not the not the work of it necessarily in terms of quality or in terms of anything like that but just talk about the the love of it and I think a community where the core of that community is like how much love we have for what is happening around us is just like an excited place to be in yes oh my god yes yeah, I love absolutely. that answer. And it's a great lead in to my favorite question to ask guests, which is what is your favorite theater memory? Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm going to humble brag for a second. When I was in high school, my senior year, we did the Phantom of the Opera and I played the Phantom. And that was maybe the peak of my entire life. And I don't think anything I have been trying to chase. I've been trying to chase that high since that day. But it was the most incredible experience. It was like the perfect kind of capstone. My high school, I was I was really fortunate to go to a school that had a great arts and music program. And the shows that we did were so much fun. We did, well, for our freshman year, we did this combina weird combination of West Side Story and Romeo and Juliet, where it was like a mix. But it was fun. We were Sondheim. We were Bernstein. You know, we were going for it. My sophomore year, we did Sweeney Todd. And that was like like one of the formative experience yeah it was crazy it was like a high school orchestra and like cast doing Sweeney Todd it was amazing our junior year we did we did Joseph which was super fun as you can see we're big on the mega musicals and then our senior year we did Phantom and we had this oh man we had this boat right like for the lair when you're going down whatever and I would get on this freaking boat and it would just start remote control sliding onto the stage while I'm rowing. And then I would go wave my hand and the gate would open and we would go in and there's smoke billowing everywhere and the candles. And I was like, I was 16 and it was such a dream come true to like be in for everybody being in that show, like to do, to do a show of that scale, but also of that like emotional depth at that age, I think is so important and so exciting and like to be able to like the depths that I went to and also like the, the entire cast went to 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 experience like the emotionality of the kid you know like 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 being in that final layer sequence after like listening to it and seeing it for so long and just being like oh my god like I've never felt things like this before like what's going on and then all of a sudden I'm like there and and the score is so beautiful and it was just like such a it was such an incredible experience and I have been genuinely afraid that nothing I do will ever match up to the feeling of, of, of doing that show. And that, that role has always been just such a pleasure and such a dream of mine. So that was probably my, my, and it was such a little nice little like bow to wrap on everything. You know, it was like last show in high school, like, you you kind of just like go out with a bang and then you graduate and then you get to be like, I did this show. And for everybody, you know, in my year, we were all like waiting four years to be like the seniors. And then like, that's our show. And we were all like, yes, like it was it was insane. So that's probably that's that's my that's my that's my just the top of my life. That's that's the hill. Wow. That's amazing, though. What an amazing memory. I. I hope there's a recording of that somewhere. 
that's, that's oh, there it is. <laughs> um, you should see my wig. Oh my god! As, oh my god! No, that's incredible. No, that that is to be proud of. So, thank you for sharing that memory. That's amazing. Of course. Are there any other projects or productions that you have coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug? I'm so focused on Beethoven right now that I'm starting to hate the guy. But I think once we once we do this May workshop, I mean, this is certainly not the last of Beethoven. So, you know, I would say stay tuned for what comes in the future for our for for this show. I have some film projects that are that I won't speak too much on at the moment, but you can always follow me or us on social media and whatever projects do appear you will be the first to know no i just i just remembered maybe i should maybe i should plug that um on uh i do have a a show at the green fig which is the restaurant right by green room 42 if you know green room 42 it's like as you get out of the elevator on the on that floor and we do a weekly dueling piano show there so every friday night we're there doing dueling pianos with a drummer and it's all requests all night come grab a drink eat dinner and you can you know request whatever the hell song you want us to do and we are we are there to sing all night it's a lot of fun so that's that's what i got going on right now oh man dueling pianos are my guilty pleasure i gotta tell you well that is a perfect lead into my final question which is if our listeners want more information about beethoven live in concert or about you maybe they'd like to reach out to you how can they do that yeah, so for Beethoven, you can follow us on Instagram or TikTok. The account is BVN the Musical. We also have a website, bvnthemusical.com. Or you can email us at, guess what, bvnthemusical at gmail. For me, you can just look up my name on, on the socials. I think it's Jad J. Jacob is my name on Instagram. Or you can go on my website, jadjacob.com. All the info is there if you want to reach out. I also would be remiss if I didn't mention the incredible cast that we've pulled together and crew for this show. I, I'd like to, I, I, I wanted to lead with that and then didn't. So maybe I should drop oh, that now. Tell us um, about that real yeah, quick. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky to have just like a really exciting group of people that are coming in in, in, in May to do this. We have our producer, Ian McQueen, who you may know has done Cabaret on the Couch at the green room which is sort of a cabaret series he is our producer on this we have max needle is our consulting producer m houseman is going to be directing this a wonderful human megan doyle another wonderful human is our arranger and is also going to be like shredding some electric guitar on this on this store their arrangements have been so fantastic yeah and then we have an incredible cast we have not that the roles will necessarily make too much sense right now but when you see it they will we have playing mozart who's going to kind of narrate the evening gabby pizzolo of fun home and matilda world and uh, another fun home alum we have oscar williams playing beethoven's nephew carl michael lee brown is playing beethoven's brother casper who is a dear of Hansen uh, alum from from the original days and we have my wonderful friend rj christian who is a brilliant composer it's also part of the, the ratatouille musical for, on tiktok who's going to be playing handel george frederick handel and we have Carlo rose de petro who's going to be playing julietta who maybe i shouldn't say what happens with julietta but she's going to be incredible and perhaps one or two more people who will be revealed in in due time but i'm very excited to be to be in the room with all these incredible people and i and i can't wait to hear i mean by the time this is released, I probably will have already heard them. But right now, <laughs> I haven't yet, and I'm very excited to. 
Yes, I see here um, also recently added was Lexi Lawson of Hamilton fame and Brennan Lark of Six. So that sounds like an incredible team. And I can't wait to see all of them, to hear all of them, to see all of them. So this this sounds just also amazing. So... Yeah, Chad, thank you so much for for sharing all of this with us. Thank you for joining us today, taking the time to speak to us about this incredible event and telling us all this about Beethoven, about this great musical, and just sharing with us these the, the amazing memory and just everything that you had to share with us. So thank you. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. I'm 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 more excited just talking about it now. <laughs> My guest today has been the creator, Jad Jacob, who spoke to us today about his new work, Beethoven, live in concert, which is taking place May 15th at Green Room 42. Tickets and more information are available at thegreenroom42.com, but also make sure you check out Beethoven Live in Concert on social media at BVN the Musical or on their website, bvnthemusical.com. This is going to be a great evening. Stage Whisper is planning to be there, so why don't you come out and join us on May 15th at Green Room 42 and support Jad Jacob and the amazing cast and creative team in seeing Beethoven live in concert. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.